Blog Talk Radio. And welcome everyone to the All NBA podcast with me, Rodney Fisher. And if you guys are tuning in for the first time, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're going to be doing this every week throughout the NBA season. And what better time to do it than right now as a new NBA season begins uh, with preseason and training camp. So we're going to get into all of that as well. Uh, make sure you guys go to, to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, just, just go to iTunes and search for All NBA. You can find me there. Or go to the website, rfsportsradio.com, where you can download it there as well. And also read some of my work. I write about the NBA pretty much every day, sometimes twice a day, three times a day. I'm always out covering some games, so follow me on Instagram. You can do all that from the website as well, too. That's rfsports.com. Radio.com. So on this podcast, I want to cover some of the biggest news of the day and also probably for the next two years, and that would be the new NBA broadcasting deal. We'll break that down and look at see who really wins and also why the deal was made. We're also going to get into uh, new NBA coaches. Uh, we've got nine new coaches, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, Dallas Mavericks, we got a chance to go to the training camp last week. I interviewed a couple of players, so you hear some interviews from Tyson Chandler, Jameer Nelson, and also Monte Ellis as well. And then we'll close out talking a little bit about the Black Mamba, the return of Kobe Bryant uh, to the court, who made his debut tonight in the preseason game. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it and jump into the new NBA media deal. Now, this is a huge, huge deal. We're, we're talking to the tune of $24 billion dollars for the broadcasting rights for the NBA, that way they can stay with both uh, Disney, which is ESPN and ABC, and also sports, or as we know it, as TNT. Um, This is is a really, really big deal because you have to understand that before this deal was done, which really the next two years are under the original agreement, which uh, both of those entities, Disney and also Turner Sports, are paying roughly north of $440 million each per year to broadcast the NBA. Now we're looking at a combined uh, $1.74 billion uh, to broadcast the NBA per year. And this is going to go up into the 2024-25 season. Uh, And it really is big because it proves that media broadcasting rights now with the digital age and everybody watching things on phones and on the laptop and on tablets that, you know, really it is big business in sports. When you see a team like the Clippers sell for $2 billion and a potential sale of the Hawks could uh, be high as well too. And now the Nets may be looking for a suitor also. Um, This is big business. In the basketball world, it is now big business. A deal like this puts them on that same pedestal level to me, is the NFL, who has always been the biggest broadcasting right kind of kind of deal. And the reason why both ESPN and Turner Sports are paying so much is because they've always had these two, this entity broadcasted on their network, but they want to keep out some of their competitors. I mean, we're talking about, like, Fox Sports, who has a Fox Sports 1, who, uh, as you know right now, is running the postseason uh, MLB games, and then you've got – NBC Sports, who kind of made their way with the Olympics and now looking for broadcasting rights for different things as well, too, not trying to show just all the extreme sports with 
get into hardcore sports as well too. So to keep those kind of suitors out, you know, the NBA had to raise the price and they knew who would pay for it. So let's dive into the deal a little bit. Um, This will begin within the 2016-2017 season and run through uh, 2024-25. In a statement today, Adam Silver got up there and talked a little bit about the deal, and and basically it's the same thing except there will be more uh, nationally televised games on both of the networks. Uh, TNT uh, will keep the exclusive broadcasting rights for the All-Star Weekend, also the All-Star Game. Uh, they'll keep their uh, show, which we like to watch as well, uh, with, with TNT and also ESPN will continue their broadcasting here. They'll also have more games on um, ABC and NBC as well, too. Uh, the, the other thing that kind of got buried in all this is that they're going to add a new type of type of deal where TNT is going to be debuting the first ever NBA awards. Now, I don't know what that means, okay? <laughs> I know I was kind of shocked when ESPN started their own, own awards thing with the ESPYs, and that's kind of grown into its own thing. And now with the NBA having their own awards as well, too. And and, and this is kind of the first for a league to do this, so I don't know if the NFL is next, <laughs> how this is going to work. Uh, but the NBA awards, and I imagine that, you know, Ernie Johnson is going to be uh, probably seeing that or some players going to be seeing that, but, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if they're going to do it during All-Star Weekend at the end of the season, but get ready for an NBA red carpet award ceremony. That's that's going to be coming real, real soon. Uh, also for TNT, they get the digital rights to use that content or enhanced content, as they like to put it, on some of their other platforms like Bleacher Report and some of the other things they do as well, too. You know, Turner is in a really interesting situation with the NBA where they kind of are are locked in with them. Not only have they been the longest broadcaster of NBA content, but they also run and operate NBA TV. You know, they, if you didn't know, they share the same facility, the same studio. And they're part of the whole league pass and uh, the NBA digital stuff. They kind of run out there for the NBA. So they they got to be in bed with each other in some kind of capacity. So, uh, that really stays the same, but uh, it, it's a big deal. It, it's a huge deal for both of those companies. You saw ESPN President John Skipper talk about that and, and uh, the new NBA rights and what they get able to do. They can actually televise now 85 regular season games, uh, primarily on Wednesday and Friday night. Uh, that's an increase from 70 games, which they currently do. Now they're going to do 85. So look for, like, the Watch ESPN app. Uh, ESPN three, as they might call it, are going to be a big part of that as well too, so they can get all that uh, all that out there, and they will get exclusive coverage of the NBA draft and the draft lottery uh, for the next few seasons as well too. So, big deal, a big big deal. So, who really wins here? Now we know that the networks, uh, if you didn't know, they operate that as a pretty at a, at pretty much at an at cost type of deal, so they can have other programming, but. Based on the CBA, uh, what this means is that the players and owners split this revenue 50-50. So 50% of the revenue has to go to the players. Now, if LeBron James didn't seem like a genius by now, uh, today he seems like a big genius, not only him but other players as well, because what this means is when you hit that 2016-17 season, 
and LeBron didn't take that big deal, that five-year deal from Cleveland. He took a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out. That means that he can now command upwards of a $30 million per year salary when they redo this deal. Not only him, but Kevin Durant, who will be a free agent in two years as well, uh, Bradley Beal, uh, Dwight Howard, all these guys have positioned themselves to cash in once this cashes in for the owners. So if if you look at the increase of salary cap from uh, last year to this year, it went from $58 million to $63 million, which is the biggest jump. It's a $5 million jump. You know, if you, if you compare it to the season before, they only jumped to 635000 So a $5 million jump in salary cap is huge for any team, but when this kicks in, you can see a salary cap jump to $100 million. That's a lot of wealth to spread around the players when you have only 450, roughly 450 players in the pool. That's an additional $870 million to be spread around the whole 450, to 450 players in that pool. That, that That's big. Now, the only thing that's contingent upon it happening, and Adam Silver said he didn't have plans in this to happen, but – it also frees up money for expansion, and we know how David Stern, during his uh, when he was the commissioner, one of the things he really pushed for was trying to get as much expansion for the NBA as possible, make it a global game. And if they decide to expand or open up any other franchises, they could kind of change the outcome of how much money these players can get, and that's the only thing that can happen. So we will see. We'll see what happens. But right now, Players are doing the shmoney dance. I guarantee you they're doing the Johnny Manziel, rubbing the fingers, okay, because now they're going to get ready to get paid and the guys have put themselves in a position to make a lot of coin from this particular deal. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll jump into uh, a couple other things with the new NBA coaches and also we'll go inside the Dallas Mavericks training camp as well too. Thank you all for listening to the All-NBA podcast. Stay tuned. They're going to world. We'll be right back. Calling all sports fans. There's only one place to go to get all your sports news, information, radio shows, sports talk, anything that you want to do. That's RFSN, the Real Fan Sports Network. Log on to realfansportsnetwork.com to hear shows from across the country. And, of course, make sure you can hear this show on the Real Fan Sports Network. Go to TuneIn Radio on the TuneIn Radio app and search for RFSN to get sports talk 24-7 from a fan's perspective. That's the Real Fan Sports Network, realfansportsnetwork.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the All-NBA Podcast. Again, my name is Rodney Fisher. You can follow me on Twitter at Rodney Fisher NBA, or read some of my work and follow me online at rfsportsradio.com. Again, the All-NBA Podcast is weekly, so make sure you subscribe to it on iTunes where you can uh, kind of interact with the show as well, too. I, I welcome all comers. So uh, I was going to talk a little bit about the NBA new coaches. As I mentioned, we have nine new coaches. Uh, well, nine coaches at different teams, I should say. Some of these guys have been in the league for uh, for a while with other teams, but you got Lionel Hollins taking over in Brooklyn for Jason Kidd, David Blatt taking over for Mike Brown in Cleveland. And, and you know what's interesting to me? LeBron James is probably, if not the best player in the, in the league, depending on who you are, one of the best players in the league, best players in the league. And he's yet to really have a, a, a strong kind of, 
kind of a strong-willed kind of coach. I mean, he got coached in high school, uh, no disrespect to his high school coach, but he didn't go to college. He wasn't under a Tom Enzo or, or Calipari or Krzyzewski or uh, Billy Donovan. He was uh, none of that. He, he went straight to the NBA where he's coached by Mike Brown. And, you know, nothing against Mike Brown, but he, he's not, you know, <laughs> he's not a, a Popovich or a Carlisle. Uh, then he goes to Miami under Eric Spolstra, a new guy as well. Now he comes back to Cleveland under uh, David Blatt, a guy that coached in the international game but has never coached the NBA game or worked in the NBA game. So it, it just amazes me that the best player in the league has, has never been, you know, put together with a, a great coach. So in, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. Uh, matter of fact, David Blatt just beat his old team uh, with LeBron a few days ago. So, uh, then you got Stan Van Gundy, who's taking over in Detroit. Uh, now, now with Stan Van Gundy, his interesting situation with him is he's got a lot of power in Detroit, and when you have so much power like that, when you're the head coach, uh, basketball operations, GM, you're calling all the shots, you got everyone doing what you say in the building. That's an interesting dynamic for the players and the coach relationship because he's making decisions, not just about how many minutes you get in the game, what plays do you run, but if you're going to build this team long-term. So I'm going to be interested to see how, you know, what moves he makes with the roster as he goes throughout the season and how he reacts to certain things that players do and how they interact with each other. And Now, if you remember, Stan Van Gundy fell victim to the whole Dwight Howard deal, that whole uh, debacle where, uh, you saw Dwight saying one thing and Stan saying another, and the and the uncomfortable interviews where Stan would say certain things and Dwight would walk up. If you haven't seen the YouTube, it's very, very funny. But he, he didn't want that situation again, so he got a bunch of power. He's in Detroit. We're interested to see how he uses that power uh, for that particular team as the season goes on. Then you got Byron Scott in, in Los Angeles. We'll talk a little bit about COVID later on in the podcast, but Byron Scott and championships there taking over Mike D'Antoni to somebody that the Lakers wanted and Kobe wanted as well, although it took forever to get them to hire Byron Scott. I've been looking forward to him so far from what I hear at training camp. Things are going very well. Um, then you got Jason Kidd, who left Brooklyn to go to the Milwaukee Bucks and what is probably one of the strangest moves from a head coach of all, busting someone's office and asking for more money. And now he's in Milwaukee and We'll just have to wait and see how that goes with Kidd in Milwaukee. Uh, Flip Saunders, who's stepping out of the office and going in the coach uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then you've got uh, Quinn Snyder taking over for the Jazz. And the last two I want to talk about real quickly are the two fresh freshmen, the fish out of water uh, type of coaches. That's Derek Fisher, who played last year as now the coach in New York. And Steve Kerr, who is in Golden State. Both of them, I believe, are in really tight, tough situations. You know, the toughest thing that a new coach can be involved in is Derek Fisher embarks on his first coaching stint. You know, he's with Phil Jackson as the basketball operations guy. But he's got Carmelo Anthony, who decided to resign and stay there while they build a team. And, and Fisher's not, not, not that far removed from playing. So it's going to be interesting to see how him and Carmelo interact with each other throughout the season, especially when times get tough and they lose games. How do they treat each other in the media? 
Um, we know Derek Fisher had some experience being the part of the uh, NBA PA, uh, though they didn't go too well. So we'll be interested to see how they interact with each other, how they play the media, and 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 who has a lot of the say so and power in their struggle in New York. Because I think it will be a power struggle. And then in Golden State in in Oakland, um, it's going to be interesting for me to see Steve Kerr and how he fits his style or how he changes the style of the Golden State Warriors who, let's face it, with Mark Jackson, although he couldn't get him to a finals, he did some pretty good things with that team. I mean, they bought into what he was saying. He's very inspirational. They loved him off the court as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they interact with each other from Clay Thompson to Steph Curry, if they're going to really fall in line with Steve Curry has to say. Uh, everything points from training camp that they're having a good camp. But, again, the games haven't started. The records are not real. So until then, we don't know how this team is going to react. So I'm watching those two in particular, Steve Kerr and Derek Fisher, to see how that goes. Now, there's some of the new coaches. Let's jump into the uh, training camp stuff. We had a, had a chance to go to Mavericks training camp and kind of watch them practice, talk to some players and and I'm very close to this team because I live in Dallas. I've been covering it for a long time. I was with them on that on that magical 2011 championship run when they beat the Miami Heat. And one of the biggest pieces for that particular run was Tyson Chandler. Having him in the middle, that center that Dallas always needed, that we struggled to find and finally found one. And then to watch him depart, you know, immediately after that, along with other players, and never have a chance to really defend that title always left a bittersweet taste in all the fans' mouths, and including mine as well. And to see him come back and walk down the stairs and part of that media day and training camp, I have to say it, it got my expectations up pretty high too, along with fans as well. So I had a chance to talk to him about coming back to Dallas, and this is kind of what he had to say. So here's Tyson Chandler of the Dallas Mavericks on the All-NBA podcast. Here with uh, Tyson Chandler. First of all, welcome back to Dallas, sir. Lots of change since the last time you were here. Championship ring, some all-star games. So how's it feel to be back? Uh, it feels great to be back. Um, you know, it feels like returning home. Uh, you know, everything is so familiar. and It's an incredible uh, reception. Excited to get on the court again. Now, how did the process go with this whole connecting back with you and getting you back to Dallas? Who reached out to you first? How did that go? Um, you know, uh, Donnie and, um, and Q uh, reached out in you know, the first uh, you know, clearly my agent called me, let me know it was everything that was going on, and then uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of guys from the staff started to reach out, and, and it was those welcome back, welcome home, you know, phone calls, and uh, you know it was a little weird at first, um, but clearly exciting. Um, but you know now that everything's going back, it just feels normal. Now you had a chance to play with Dirk, of course, before yeah. you played with Felton before as well. Yeah. So is that helping the process of getting this team chemistry together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's a it's a bunch of great guys. Uh, you know, they put together a good cast, and this guys that's uh, you know, you know, willing to communicate and and, and understand because we understand what the you know the common goal is. Uh, so it's actually been an easy transition. All right, thanks, man. All right, All right that was Tyson Chandler. I him kind of in between stations on media day, so. Pretty short interview there, but it was so good to see the guy. And, and for all the players I've talked to, one of the nicest guys you would ever meet or ever talk to, uh, very humble, very down-to-earth, and even at seven feet, he still seems very down-to-earth to me. Uh, but but a really good guy, and it's good to see him back. And I'm interested to see how 
him and Dirk can play together again. Because in my opinion, you know, and even stats approved this as well, he's gotten better since he left in 2011. I mean, he's improved in points and, and what he's been able to do. And, and to see him come back now where he's going to have a great chance, being back with Carlisle and the different pieces they put together with Chandler Parsons and things of that nature, it's going to be really fun to see uh, how this works, if he can stay healthy and make this make this happen. So uh, another interesting player I talked to were two actually were was uh, Jameer Nelson and Monte Ellis who, you know, Ellis is coming off a what I what I consider a on the radar kind of season. So when he came to Dallas, we knew he was going to be that kind of that second scorer. We didn't know how how well he was going to shoot the ball. We knew he would take a lot of shots, but I, I think he really had a great solid season where teams now are going to really have to decide uh, how they're going to pick the poison. Are they going to you know uh, lay off a Dirk some, lay off a Monte some, or lay off a Chandler some? And for the first time in Monte's career, he spent majority of his time in the point guard position. Even though they brought in Jose Calderon, who took great shots but wasn't a great defender, didn't really facilitate the ball the way Carlisle would like, and they allowed Montel to play point guard a little over 90% of the time uh, when he was on the court, which was the first time he's ever done that. He's always been a shooting guard, and yet he performed so well. Then you bring in Jameer Nelson, who is another veteran presence, spent the, spent his entire career really with Orlando. Now he's coming to Dallas, and and to have him in there along with Monte and then Raymond Felson, who will miss a few games because of suspension but will be a serviceable player. And then you have Devin Harris coming off the bench as well too. So a lot of people think of it as a three kind of – a three-head monster. Well, Monte could play a little point guard too. So I had a chance to talk to both Jameer Nelson and Monte Ellis about coming back this season. Uh, these are the two Mavericks on the All-NBA podcast. Here with uh, Jameer Nelson. Jameer, your first uh, year with the Mavericks. You're looking forward to playing with some of these uh, guys. I know you've been in the league for a while. You played against them for a right. while, but now playing with them, how's that feel? I am. I'm definitely looking looking forward to playing you know, alongside these guys and going to battle with them. Uh, one of the things is... Uh, competing against them, you, you admire how guys play, how, how they work and all that. So, you know, just to be able to see them uh, up close, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of unique and kind of cool. Now, you, I don't know if you ever had a chance to play with a seven-foot guy like Dirk before that can no. shoot outside. Play I think anybody, play. anybody, like, you know, <laughs> uh, unless, you've been, unless you have been on his team, you know, uh, has never played with a guy like Dirk. You know, he's one of the greatest and um, – Forward, so. Now, uh, with you being able to play with the Mavs this season, of course, you've been with Orlando for so long. Any uh, circle on the calendar for that Orlando game? No, no. I mean, every game is just a game to me, no matter who it is. Uh, you know, I'm here in, in, in Dallas, and, and like I said, these guys, uh, all my teammates now, we're all, we're all here together trying to do the, do the same thing and accomplish um, the same goals, and that's win the championship. What about playing with Coach Carlisle? You know, he's been in the league for a while. He's admired your game for so long. He talked very highly about your game as well. Uh, how's it been working with him so far? It's been great. It's been great. You know, he, he's such a great basketball mind and a great person. Uh, from day one, you know, as soon as I signed, he was one of the first to reach out and congratulate me and express um, his interest. All right, good deal. Thanks, All right, man. Thank you. All right, uh, second season with the Mavs, Monte. Uh, any particular expectations going into the season with uh, some of the new additions? Um, and really just, you know, put this, we put a great group of guys together this summer. I think we did an excellent job. Um, the thing is for us now is to put all that together. Um, 
Um, everybody get on the same page and, you know, come out and, you know, do a better, at least five to ten games better than we did last year. The way the season ended last year going seven games with San Antonio Spurs, does that change, you know, your expectations going into this season or this the, the mindset of the team as a whole? Uh, we just got to, you know, start from day one and finish our way to the end of the season. Uh, we got to go in with the right mindset of what we want to do, how we want to play, and be consistent with it every night. Do you think that teams are not going to be game planning for you a little bit different after what you were able to accomplish during the playoffs, and and how you're going to kind of uh, kind of make your game around that? Um, I don't think it's going to make a difference um, how teams view or try to you know play us. I think the biggest thing for us is you know to take what the defense give us, uh, you know use the the guys that was brought you know to this team this year to you know leave relieve pressure from. You know, the scoring and the defensive end and put it all together and see what happens. Thanks, Monte. All right, that was uh, Jameer Nelson and Monte Ellis of the Dallas Mavericks talking about the upcoming season. Here, Jameer talk about, you know, it's not he doesn't have that Orlando Magic game circled on his calendar. Well, well let me just say that I, I believe he does <laughs> have that game circled. But as long as he's spending Orlando, he's going to come out there and be ready to light those guys up. But but good to see him, and Carlisle has already kind of said that he wants him to be the starter uh, for that team, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. In terms of Monte, you know, him coming back, and we talked about players that are going to benefit from this new media deal. He's one of those players in that boat as well, too. He's got a player option next year. Uh, then, of course, he'll be a free agent, and he can really cash in on a new deal as well. So I will be interested to see that how he shares the ball with Chandler Parsons and and now some of the other guys that will be on the floor because they do have a lot more people that are going to need the ball this year than they had last year to really be effective. So be interested to see how that goes. Now, we talked about uh, new coaches. There's some new players in the uniforms. They got a chance to see uh, Paul Gasol in the Chicago Bulls uniform, uh, Paul Pierce in the Washington Wizards uniform, and uh, also LeBron James put back on his Cleveland Cavalier uniform as well, too, which was kind of surreal in itself uh, from everything that's already has happened in the past. But one one guy I saw put on a uniform that I'm so excited about, and that has to be uh, the Black Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant. And I mean, really following what's been happening in the training camp and, and uh, listening to Kobe in his interviews. And, and for him to come back, the expectations for Laker Nation are so high, which I can understand that because when I was in Staples, Center's last, Staples Center last year, it, it, it didn't even feel like a Laker arena. I mean, there were Clipper signs everywhere. You would have thought it was just the Clippers only that played there. Uh, I did see Kobe Bryant at the at the game, him and his daughter, but he was in plain clothes. He wasn't on the court. It didn't feel feel the same. It felt almost hollow in a sense because, you know, the guy's been around 19 seasons and performing at a high level. And even interviewing uh, in the locker room, it just wasn't the same because, you know, Kobe holds court. You know, he's always going to have something nice to say. Uh, they're really going to get a lot of people's attention, and it just wasn't there. So to have him back is, is huge, and to have him back on the court is even better. You know, him and Byron Scott have been talking every day at training camp. He's been leading in all the drills, outrunning guys, uh, really playing hard in the training camp, getting everyone up to speed, and, and that's good to see. You know, Steve Nash is 100% healthy. Kobe feels like he's healthy. Um, so, to me, if he is able, in some kind of form or fashion, get this team into the playoffs, even if it's an eight seed, 
that's got to be by far his biggest accomplishment or one of the biggest accomplishments he's had as a pro. Uh, I thought him taking that, you know, that Paul Gasol team and Andrew Bynum team, Lamar Odom team to two championships was huge, but this that, that would be huge if he can sneak an eight seed or seven seed, well, really seven seed, but eight seed, if he could sneak that in for this Laker team with what they have and, that would be truly amazing. Uh, he had a preseason game tonight. He came out. That first quarter was three for six, six points. Ended up with 13 on the night uh, and, and assists as well, too. He looked very, very good. Uh, so I'm just excited. I'm excited about the season starting. I'm excited about Kobe in a Laker uniform playing again. I am a big Kobe fan, but that's somebody's return that we should all really stand up and, and clap for uh, because to have him back in the NBA and on the court is, it's huge. It, it really, really is. Well, that's all for the All-NBA Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Rodney Fisher NBA, And also go to the website, rfsportsradio.com, where you can follow my writing and interact with me there as well, as well too. Until next time, stay tuned. And whatever you do, go watch some basketball. <laughs>